for the lively time of worship. He is worthy to be worshipped at all times. In times of sorrow, in times of trouble, in times of joy, he is worthy to be worshipped. We are back to Romans chapter 8. You know, this is one of the greatest chapters. If we truly hunger for a transformed life, uh, this is one such chapter which will help us. Uh, the spiritual benefits that are there in this chapter is beyond calculation. In fact, commentators, they struggle to even comment about this chapter. If only we approach this chapter with an open mind, we need to have an open mind that I need to change, I need to be transformed. And we also, it is not only an open mind that is important, but we should also have an obedient heart. When we have an open heart, when we have an open mind and we have an obedient heart, the spirit of God will transform our lives. And Paul is talking about this transformation that takes place in the life of a believer. And then he says, when a believer is being transformed and when he comes towards the end, he has this glorious assurance for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It is important to note in this chapter that Holy Spirit is mentioned 19 times. The Holy Spirit is to your believer what God the creator is to the physical world. Without God, the physical world would not exist. The world has been created and it is also being continually sustained by the power of God. <clears throat> Every day, if you see the sun rising, it speaks about God's power behind it. Similarly, the Holy Spirit is the person, he is the divine person who creates, sustains, perseveres spiritual life in those who place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the importance of the Holy Spirit. You cannot think of sun rising without God's power. In the same way, we cannot think of having a vibrant spiritual life without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves believers. The Holy Spirit communicates with believers. The Holy Spirit teaches believers. The Holy Spirit guides believers. The Holy Spirit comforts believers. The Holy Spirit disciplines believers. Have we given the space to the Holy Spirit to love us, to speak to us, to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us, and also the freedom to correct us, to convict us, 
to discipline us. The Bible specifically commands us not to grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is so important in the lives of believers. The Bible has this explicit command that no one will grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. We need to understand that if at all we are talking about spiritual life, if at all we are talking about I have desire to know this God, I have hunger to know this God, I want to live for God, I want to glorify I want to glorify my God, I want to worship him. We cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. You know, even in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit was involved in Jesus' conception. He was involved in Jesus' baptism. Holy Spirit was involved in Jesus' anointing. Holy Spirit was involved when Jesus faced temptation. Holy Spirit was involved when Jesus taught in his teaching ministry, in miracles, in death and resurrection. Holy Spirit was an integral part of the life of Jesus. If Holy Spirit is so important for the life of Jesus, how much more important the Holy Spirit is for you and me? A Spirit-led life is possible only with a Spirit-saturated mind. Let me say it again. A Spirit-led life, spirit life is possible only with a spirit-saturated mind. So I have entitled today's message as Mind Matters. Mind Matters. So let's read Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 8 together. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their desires, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. This is God's word. In this short passage, just four verses, Paul is not warning Christians about two different possibilities. Paul is not even thinking about such a possibility so that he can encourage believers to live according to the Spirit. That is not Paul's intention because for Paul, being in the flesh is not a possibility for the believer. Let this be very clear for us. For Paul, 
to be in the be to be in the flesh is not at all a possibility for the believer what paul is doing here is he is contrasting between converted and the unconverted in other words the saved and the unsaved that's what paul is doing here the difference between the saved people and the unsaved people so when we call ourselves a saved people paul is telling about the kind of life that is given to us and when we are unsaved the kind of life that is given to the unsaved people so paul is basically highlighting the privileges of a believer in Christ Jesus we have already seen the first privilege the first privilege is there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus the second privilege of being in Christ Jesus is we are able to overcome sin in our lives with the help of the holy spirit we are able to overcome sin in our lives with the help of the holy spirit there is no hope in ourselves for our salvation but there is also no hope in ourselves for our obedience for any real change we cannot rely on our own efforts but only on the work of the holy spirit for any real change we cannot go to the gurus of the world to change us for any change to come for any real change to come about in our lives we need the help and the work of the holy spirit and the passage that we read i want to speak on three aspects the first mind decides the direction mind decides the direction the second flesh leads to death and the third spirit births devotion spirit births a devotion so the first aspect mind decides the direction let's be very clear the mind is not neutral ground our minds can never be neutral archbishop of canterbury william temple once said your religion is what you do with your solitude your religion is what you do with your solitude in other words whenever wherever our minds go most naturally and freely when there is nothing else to distract it that is what we really live for when we are all alone our mind can take us to the word of god our mind can ask us oh why don't you pray our mind can meditate on the word of god our mind can also take us to mobile our mind can also be attracted to tv programs our mind can also be attracted to the newspapers the mind can also be attracted to the games 
and we could be attracted to food. Our mind is never neutral. So the overcoming of sin in our lives begins in our minds because our life is shaped by whatever preoccupies our mind. We, our minds are preoccupied with something and that shapes our lives. We can have victory over sin when our minds are set on the spirit. That's the good news. We are not helpless people. We can have victory over sin. We can have, if you are addicted to any of these items, mobile, TV, or in the internet, or magazines, or games, you know, people are addicted to games and food. If we are addicted to any of these things, the good news is we can have victory over these things when our minds are set on the spirit. That's what we see in Romans 8.5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So the question is, what does this phrase to have their minds set on mean? What does this phrase mean? Because those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So what does this phrase mean? It means to be preoccupied with something. I said our minds are always, always preoccupied with something. So to have the attention and the imagination totally captured by something. So our minds should, should be set on the spirit. Our minds should be set on what the spirit desires. It is very important. The meaning is not that people are like this because they think like this. That's also, it may be partly true, but that's not the meaning in this verse. People are like this because they think like this. No, that's partly true. The meaning of this verse is they think like this because they are like this. They think like this because they are like this. Because Paul is talking about a deep transformation that takes place in the lives of believers. He's not talking about an ordinary Christian life. He's talking about a transformed life that glorifies Jesus. They think like this because they are like this. If I have a glass of orange juice, and if I tilt this glass, what do you expect? Only oranges will flow out. I cannot expect grape juice to come out of this glass. Similarly, if I have a glass of grape juice, I can only expect grape juice. I cannot expect orange juice. So the kind of thoughts that we entertain in our minds will tell us whether 
We are a glass containing orange juice or a glass containing grape juice. So this clearly shows us the need for transformation, the importance of transformation. It is not important that where we are, we need to be constantly and continually, we need to be transformed because they think like this because they are like this. I have these thoughts coming to my mind because I am like this. I am like this. So if my thoughts have to change, I have to change. And that is possible with the help of the Holy Spirit because everyone will mind something. Everyone, even a little child, minds something because all of us will be preoccupied either by the things of the spirit or by the things of the flesh. So whatever preoccupies the mind controls the life. And Paul says, he says our minds are preoccupied and Paul says one preoccupation results in death and the other preoccupation results in life and peace. Because Paul is referring to the brokenness in this life. There is brokenness. You just keep your eyes wide open. And if you have the listening ears, you hear stories of brokenness. We, we, are all, we have all experienced brokenness in this life. And Paul is addressing that issue here. Because he says brokenness comes when we set our minds on the flesh. Brokenness is a result of having our minds set on the flesh. God created mankind to prosper. You know, we talk about prosperity gospel or we talk about money, but God, cre God created us to prosper. What kind of prosperity? God created mankind to prosper in relationship with him, knowing him enjoying him as we live in this world he doesn't want to lead uh, he doesn't want us to lead a dull boring life he wants us to lead a vibrant holy life in this world to prosper in relationship with him knowing him enjoying him as we live as we live in this world whenever our minds are set on the things of the flesh. We are not living to our potential. Let this be very, very clear. Whenever our minds are set on the things of the flesh, we are not living our lives to its potential. If somebody drives their car only in the first gear, What will you say? There is a second gear, there's a third gear, there's a fourth gear, there's a fifth gear. But if he were to drive his car only in the first gear, sometimes it's at least some people are in the first gear. Sometimes I feel people are pushing their car, not even driving their car. Because God wants us to live our lives to its potential. 
God wants us. This is God's word. We have been created by God and God wants us. In the midst of pain, in the midst of sorrows, in the midst of brokenness, God wants us to live our lives to its full potential. Uh, let, me let me explain this, what I mean by this. Let me take a negative emotion and explain what's meant by living to its full potential. Since it's a negative emotion, let me take myself as an example. Uh, let me say that I'm extremely worried about my health. I have every reason, genuine reason, to be worried about my health. My concern is unavoidable unless I'm totally an uncaring person. I don't care about my health. I don't care about anything. Only if I have that kind of an attitude, then concern is avoidable. Otherwise, if I'm a person who takes care of my health, I take care of my health. I'm concerned about my health because I know this body is the temple of the living God. I take care of my health. That's the reason I used to go to gym and I used to take care of my health. But now with the health setback, I can sit and keep worrying about my health. I can keep, because every time I visit a doctor, there's nothing a great report. There's nothing great. Doctors cannot give great reports. So every time I can keep ruminating on over their reports and I can lose my sleep and my peace. It's possible. Just listening to their words, just repeating those words in my mind, I can just lose my sleep. I can lose my peace. But when I do that, I forget that I am a child of God. I forget that I am a child of God. Nothing happens in my life without the knowledge of my loving God. Because God will exercise his control over the world that is only in a way that is loving to him. He is not my enemy. My God is not my enemy. If you think the cancer has come to my body because it's my enemy, no, not at all. From day one, I have never even questioned that. He's a loving father. He's a I may not know the reason for that matter. Even the doctors, they don't know the reason. But I know my God is a loving father. You know, this morning, uh, Pastor Sani opened the worship with Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 3, a faithful God who does no wrong. A faithful God who does no wrong. I can keep taking that negative emotion and keep thinking and thinking and thinking, and I can lose my peace and joy. But I can also tell my mind, a faithful God who does no wrong. So over worry is having the mind set on what the flesh desires. That's what Paul says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So over worry is having the mind set on what the flesh desires. I can give this example, I can extend the example of health to our guilt, to our unworthiness, Everyone says, I'm no good. 
I can take these negative emotions and I can tell you how we are controlled by the flesh. Or I can, I can talk about the fear of the future and I can say that how my mind is set on what the flesh desires. But Paul says, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So how do we overcome sin with the spirit? Or in other words, how do we live in accordance with the spirit? How do we live in such a way that we can say, for in my inner being, I delight in God. For in my inner being, I delight in my God. This does not mean that we are free from trials, free from tribulations, free from problems, free from pain, free from sickness, free from loss, not at all. Externally, we might have a broken world. I'm ministering to somebody today. Listen to this carefully. Externally, the world is completely broken. It is shattered. Yet deep in my inner life, I can say that I delight in God. I delight in God. Receive it. You are a child of God. Do not allow the world to rob you of your peace that is due to you and you alone. I delight in my God. The people who do this have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Paul says the connection between living and thinking is a tight and close one. Mind matters. Paul says the connection between our living and our thinking is a tight and close one. Whatever we have set our minds on shapes our lifestyle and character. Whatever we have set our minds on shapes our lifestyle and character. Is your mind set on the spirit or the flesh? There are only two options. There is no third possibility. Is your mind set on the spirit or the flesh? Mind decides the direction. Mind decides the direction. Second, flesh leads to death. Because in Romans 8, 6, he says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. By flesh, what do we mean by the word flesh? Paul means neither the soft muscular tissue. All of us, we know we take good care of our soft muscular tissue by visiting the beauty parlors. He's not talking about that soft tissue. Not our bodily appetites. Again, we take care of our bodily appetites by eating healthy food, doing our exercise. Paul is not talking about both of these things. What Paul is talking is, he's talking about the whole of our humanness, the whole of our being. He's viewing our entire being as corrupt and unredeemed. That's what he means by flesh. By flesh, he means the entire being has corrupt and unredeemed. 
you can say flesh is equal to our fallen egocentric human nature. Our fallen egocentric human nature, or more briefly, the sin-dominated self. That's what Paul means by the word flesh here. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The English word ego comes from the Latin word uh, for I. That's, that's, that, that's where we get this word ego. Literally translated ego means I. So egocentric human nature. In other words, we perceive the world and we interpret events from our personal advantage. You know, they used to say, I, me, my. How will it benefit me? How will it benefit my family? That's what's known as the fallen egocentric human nature. Our mind is preoccupied with what can I get for myself? What can I get for my family? When it is preoccupied beyond the healthy limits, that's what Paul says, the mind governed by the flesh is dead. Our lives are filled with many challenges. All of us struggle with personal problems such as stress, anxiety, depression, self-doubt, addiction. In addition to all this, we worry about our health, we worry about our finances, we worry about our family, we worry about our future. In all this, what has happened our relationship with our spouse, children, and other family members are often riddled with conflict. And our relationship with our friends, neighbors, superiors, and colleagues are challenging. We cannot say they are smooth, but they are challenging as well. Human behavior is by far the single largest cause of the difficulties that each of us experience in life. If I were to ask you, tell me your problems. Your problems will always have a person behind that. Most of our problems are people problems. And quite often, we are the people who cause our problems. That is the issue that Paul wants to address in this chapter. A transformed life where we are not the cause of the problem. We cannot stop others from being the cause for the, pro for the problems, but at least we can stop from being a cause for our problems. Because when we, when we tend to view everything from our point of view, 
when we try to interpret everything from our interest, we are more preoccupied with ourselves than we ought to be. I'm not saying that we should not take care of ourselves, we should not take care of our family, but we are, when we are exceedingly, excessively, when we are involved or when we think or we are preoccupied with our own interest, then that's not healthy. And this excessive self-centeredness and selfishness are the root causes for most of our problems. You keep analyzing every problem, you'll come to this, that our self-centeredness and selfishness are the root causes for most of our problems. This is what Paul means when he says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. The only antidote we have is count your blessings. Count your blessings. We can keep ruminating over our problems, but we need to count our blessings. Even you know, when we are all alone and there is nothing else to do, when we are preoccupied only with ourselves, I'm not thinking about others. I'm only thinking about myself. When we keep thinking about ourselves, my life, my money, my health, my interest, unknowingly, I tend to feed on my anxiety. I tend to feed on my stress. I, I tend to feed on my shame. I tend to feed on my dissatisfaction. As a result, what happens is when I'm excessively focused on myself, about my life, about my family, I unknowingly create stress and unhappiness even when things are actually fine at the moment. There are many things that are fine at the moment in most of our lives. Instead of focusing on those things, when we, when we focus on ourselves, on my interest, we unknowingly, we're not enjoying the present. And Paul says in Romans 8, 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. The verse is very simple and straightforward. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. We have already seen the mind is not neutral ground. And one cannot love the world without rejecting God. It is not a possibility. There's no neutral ground. So we cannot love God as well as love the world. When we, a mind governed by the flesh, when Paul says is hostile to God, what Paul is saying is he is treating the mind governed by the flesh, is treating God 
and the desires of the spirit as an enemy. That is the reason why we are unable to deal with our sin. We may, for example, think that a particular desire is unhelpful. I have got so many desires, but I probably think this desire is unhelpful and I can also take corrective measures to overcome or to keep that desire away from me. But why my mind is not able to overcome the sin is because even though that one aspect of desire I've been able to take off or at least to control in my life, I still have the nature of sin implanted in my life. And that sin keeps growing unknowingly. That is why our mind should be set on the desires of the spirit. It is only as our mind is set on the desires of the spirit, we are even able, or probably it at least it comes to our attention, the desires of the flesh that we have engraved in our minds for years. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, it is not possible for us to overcome sin in our lives. How often do we look at things from others' perspective? How often do we look at things from others' perspective? We have seen mind decides the direction. There are only two directions, direction of the flesh, direction of the spirit. So mind decides the direction, flesh leads to death, and spirit births our devotion. Romans 8, 8, it says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Left to ourselves, we are incapable of pleasing our God. Why? Because the mind that drives the actions is acting out of hostility to God. That's the reason Paul says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. The person controlled by their own flesh can have a thought that is good. It is not that he can never have good thoughts. He can have a thought that is good. He can also perform an action that is right. But it cannot please God because it is done in enmity toward him. Let me give an example. It's, it's, it may be a little difficult for us to comprehend, but it's not too difficult. Uh, let me give this example. We will talk about a gang leader. I don't want to name them. Or we, we have so many gang leaders in India, so I don't want to name them. We talk one particular, one gang leader, okay? And we may, um, we, we may think of this gang leader to be a kind person, a very generous person. He takes care of his group members very well. He pays them very well. He takes care of their personal health very well. He attends to their needs very well. Okay, so this gang leader 
is doing all these good activities. Do you think tomorrow, if the government catches him, they'll say, you have been a very good gang leader, you go home, you go and sit. What's happening here? He was a gang leader. He was doing good things, but he was acting in rebellion to the government of the day. So when we are, when we talk about kingdom people, we have a king. We are either serving the king of the kingdom or we are serving the ruler of the world. There are only two possibilities. By serving the ruler of the world, we can, we can still do good things, philanthropic things, but it will not be pleasing to God because it is in enmity to God. I hope this has become clear. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. It does not mean those who are in the realm of the flesh, they don't do good things. They don't speak good words. It does not mean that. They cannot please God because they are in enmity with God. Without God, without the Lord Jesus, there is no hope. We have been brought from the dominion of darkness. While we were in the dominion of darkness, we were doing a lot of good things. We were not so bad. We, we, we didn't commit murder. We were doing a lot of good things while we were still in the dominion of darkness. But that life was not pleasing to the king of kings. Because when we are in the dominion of darkness, we are serving the ruler of the world. And that's the reason Paul says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So if we want to please God, then our minds must be set on what the spirit desires. So what does the spirit desire? Or in other words, what are the things that spirit draws our attention to? Very simple. The spirit comes to show us that we are sons and daughters of the Lord. That's all. The spirit, the spirits of the, if you want to set our minds on the things of the spirit, the spirit comes to show us that we are sons and daughters of God. Those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Now, even in Colossians 3 to Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So the moment if we are in Christ Jesus, I said in the beginning, the privileges of being in Christ Jesus, I said the first privilege, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The second privilege is we can overcome our sins with the help of the Holy Spirit because in Christ Jesus, we are adopted. In Christ Jesus, we are loved. And in Christ Jesus, we are welcomed. We need to drill into our minds and hearts that we are children of God. And once we come to that place, where we have completely accepted, acknowledged, received that we are children of God, then you ask this question, as a child of God, can I do this? 
Now we are concerned more about the glory of our God. Whatever I do, it should bring glory to my God. If I speak like this, if I speak like this to my wife, will it bring glory to God? Because I'm a child of God. I'm not doing even to please my wife. I'm doing this because I want, I want to live as a child of God. As a child of God, I cannot afford to do this. That's where the deep transformation comes. We need to drill into our minds and hearts that we are children of God. We are children of God. This should, I said, our minds, uh, our minds always are busy. Our mind should be preoccupied with this thought that we are children of God. Once our minds are preoccupied with this thought that we are children of God, our words, our actions, everything will change. I don't have to worry excessively because I'm a child of God. My life is in the hands of God. He is a good God. He knows what he's doing. So I, in the midst of all our sorrows, pain, you can still delight in the Lord. We must be led by the Holy Spirit in our daily conduct, in our daily life. That's what's known as a spirit-led life. Mind matters. Our minds must be filled. It will not come automatically. We must make effort to fill our minds with this one single thought that I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I have all the privileges that is due to me. So it's not about me, my family. It's not about me. I'm a child of God living for his glory. Looking back at the past week or, or a couple of weeks or a couple of months, are you satisfied by the time you took to pray for others? I'm not asking the time you took to pray for yourself. I'm asking the time you took to pray for others, the time you took to help others, the money that you have used to bless others. Are you satisfied? Because you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Everything I have in my life, I want to use it for the glory of my God. The time that God gives me 24 hours, I don't want to keep sitting and worrying and worrying about my life. As I mentioned to you earlier, I want to use it for the glory of God. The little time I have, I want to spend to serve in the kingdom of God. The little money, I want to share it with people who are in need. The little talents I have, I want to use it in the kingdom of God. So looking back at the past week, weeks, are you satisfied? By the time you took to pray for others, help others, these are very important. Your mind, controlled by the spirit, will always do these things. This message is, doesn't end today. We need to keep thinking about this message. 
because otherwise if you read Romans 8, 5 to 8, you feel, oh, what is this? It doesn't make any sense because those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It cannot please God. It cannot submit to God's law, nor it cannot do so. Those who live in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So if you want to understand all the four verses, you need to keep meditating on these verses. Is my mind preoccupied with the things of the spirit? So I want to leave these thoughts for us so that we can keep thinking about this. Why did Paul say that those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God? Paul does not mean that all people are evil as possibly as they could be. Paul does not mean that way. You know, Paul does not mean, you know, by this, Paul does not mean to say that all people commit all possible sin. Now, Paul does not say that. Paul does not even deny the knowledge of the good within each person because we are made in the image of God. So there is some good in each one of us. Paul does not deny all this. What Paul, what Paul says is, what he means is that every person apart from Christ Jesus is thoroughly in the grip of the power of sin and that this power extends to all the person's faculties. That's the reason the Spirit of God wants to transform our lives. Every faculty in our life should be brought under the authority of the Holy Spirit. It is not enough where we are today. It is not enough where we are today. We need to bring every faculty. Let us not be satisfied with status quo because this God, ultimately we want to delight in God. He is wonderful. He is magnificent. He is infinite. We cannot comprehend him. He is worthy to be enjoyed. He is worthy to be adored. You know, God is more awesome than anything we see in this world. And once we come to that place, the things of this world will pale into insignificance. And that's the reason Paul says that even, uh, every faculty is brought under the authority and under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we have the transformed life. Quite often our sins are invisible because we have become so comfortable with our sins, they are invisible. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit to convict us, to show us, to correct us, to discipline us. So Paul wants us, Paul wants the believers to come to a place where we will say the delight, my heart wants to delight in the Lord. My heart wants to delight in the Lord. I want to enjoy the Lord. You know, Paul says by nature, all of us come from Adam. So we are incurably bent toward our own good rather than the good of others or of good. We, no one has to teach us 
to be selfish because it is ingrained in me. Selfishness, self-centeredness is ingrained in me. And those who are married, you know, you would have heard the comment, you know, at least you must not have heard, I have heard you're interested only in your things. You see, the self-centeredness, the, self, the selfish interest, it is ingrained in this body. And Paul wants us to overcome that. The various sense to which we are attracted, for example, the desire for riches, making more money, desire for status, I want to become like so-and-so, a desire for power, or a desire for sexual pleasure. I've equated all these things together. So listen to this carefully. They are but different symptoms of the same sickness. Because we always exclude adultery. What about our desire for money? What about our desire for name? Even in the ministry, okay, if I do ministry because I'll become famous or my name will be well known, it is no different from the act of committing adultery. These are all different symptoms of the same sickness. We all have an idolatrous bend towards self-gratification. I want to feel good. We all have this. The person who is preoccupied with his or her own success in business at the expense of others or of God or at the cost of God. In other words, a person who neglects the things of the kingdom so that he can flourish in his business he is just as much dominated by the flesh as the person who commits adultery. Let's be very clear about it. We are God's children. Jesus came and he died for us. We have been redeemed. Redeemed for what? Redeemed so that we can delight in this God. We can enjoy this God. We can live and love this God. Both persons are manifesting in different ways that destructive, self-centered rebellion against God. That's the reason Paul says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. They may be doing good things, but are you serving the king? Or are you serving the things of the king? That's why Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The good news is, Holy Spirit can rescue us from this helpless condition and transform us to be pleasing to our God. This morning, as we have heard the word of God, this be our desire. Teach me to delight in the Lord, Lord. You should be my ultimate desire. You should be my ultimate focus.
My mind should be preoccupied with you, O oh God. Bring me to your place where my mind will be preoccupied with you. I want to delight in you. Lord, teach me. Help me to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And I want to serve you. I want to serve you with my time. I want to serve you with my treasures. I want to serve you with my talents. In everything I do, Lord, I lay down my crowns at thy feet. Lord, take away the self-interest from me, O oh God. Abba, Father, let me not do anything for my self-gratification. Let me do things that will be glorifying to you. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, what a great life that you have kept for each one of us. We are your children and your God, O oh Lord. You are our God. Teach us, O oh Lord, to delight in you at all times. Let our minds be preoccupied with the things of the Spirit. O oh God, we have been bought at a cost. Jesus, you went to the cross so that I can be a son of God. I can be adopted into the family of God. There is nothing greater than this. Fill our minds with the things of the Spirit of God. Have mercy on each one of us. As we struggle with our stress, anxiety, depression, doubt, worries, I pray, Lord, our minds will be filled with the things of the Spirit. You are a good God. Nothing will happen in our life without your knowledge. Help us not to be unnecessarily, excessively worried about our future, about our interest, but help us to live in this world in a way that will bring glory, honor, and praise to your name. We bless your name. Let the word of God produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold harvest for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.